Thanks for joining us for the Connect Podcast. I'm Cole Phillips, the lead pastor of the Connection Church, and every week we're going to look into the Bible to find out how God's Word connects to our everyday lives. It's going to be life-changing. The Connect Podcast is produced every week for your growth and inspiration. You can find all the show notes at makingtheconnection.org. You can also find the podcast on your favorite podcasting service, Follow me on Twitter at Cole Phillips and on Facebook and Instagram. You'll find all the links in the show notes. Now, let's get into the study. Thank you so much for joining me today. I'm excited about getting into this. What we want to do is we want to get into the Bible today so we can get the Bible into us, you know, into our lives, so that we can begin to live it out, live out these life-changing truths. You know, the Bible was not written just for our information. It was written for our life transformation. And uh, so we get really practical as we get into this, and I think you're going to benefit from it, uh, be encouraged by it. And what we're doing that's so much fun is just kind of going chapter by chapter and passage by passage through the Gospel of John. We're getting to see Jesus up close and personal. And uh, you can almost think of it like putting the Bible under a microscope as we go verse by verse. And I was thinking about that, how we have over the years and over history, we've taken um, like technology has progressed where they used to, they, they discovered that it, they could take like a piece of glass or a jewel or something and look at an object and it would be magnified as they look uh, at something small, it gets bigger. And, and over time, they've gone from, from that to, um, to developing things like telescopes and microscopes and glasses, you know, to see with eyeglasses. And there are two kinds of magnifying. Think about this. There's sort of a microscope magnifying and there's a telescope magnifying. And uh, the, the microscope takes something that's very small and makes it look larger than it is. But a telescope sort of brings things into focus, things that are far away, that are really big. Uh, you, you see them uh, as big as it really is. And, and I think about that when I think about what, it, what does it mean to magnify God? You know, magnify the Lord, right? And David says, I will magnify the Lord with thanksgiving. And what he doesn't mean is I'm gonna take this tiny God and make him bigger, he means, I, I want to take a very big God, and I want us to see him for who he really is. And as followers of Jesus, listen to this, we're not called to be microscopes taking um, something that's small and making it look bigger. What we're trying to do is we're trying to say, hey, we serve a big God. We want you to see him as the big God that he really is because there's nothing and there's nobody bigger than God. And so our calling is to, uh, to begin to, to magnify him and really be a telescope for the world of God's bigness, his greatness, his glory. And so we're going to get into what do we need to look at 
as we get into John chapter 4. I love this chapter, and uh, you're going to love it too. So John chapter 4, verse 1 says this, Now Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that uh, he was gaining and baptizing more disciples than John, although in fact it was not Jesus who baptized, but his disciples. So he left Judea and went back once more to Galilee. And the first thing I want us to see here in this passage is we need to be looking for divine appointments, okay? What is a divine appointment? (laughs) You know, so often during our day, we will have a chance encounter. We'll run into somebody, maybe you haven't seen them in a long time, maybe you're meeting them for the first time, and uh, maybe it's, you know, you're taking something to someone else, and you just think, hey, this is a chance encounter, And yet, it turns out that it is a divine appointment. It's one of those moments that God has orchestrated, and there's more going on if we will stop and recognize the divine appointments we have in our life. So in John chapter 4, Jesus and his disciples are headed from Judea in the south in the nation of uh, Palestine to Galilee in the north. And to get there, most Jewish people would go around the part in the middle, this region in the middle that was called Samaria. And I like to think of this as we think of this area as kind of like you've got the I-35 corridor, you got Austin at the top, you got San Antonio there at the bottom. And uh, normally to go, you know, from San Antonio to Austin, let's say, we would just zip right up through San Marcos, right up through Kyle, Buda, all of that. But uh, what they would do back then is instead of going up 35 like the quick way, you go around 281. You'd get around the side way. See, in verse 4 of John 4, it says that Jesus had to go through Samaria on the way. He had to go through Samaria, like he was compelled to go that way. And the Jewish people normally, they would circle all the way around Samaria because they couldn't stand those people. You know, Palestine was just this small country. It was only about 120 miles from the southern tip to the northern tip, and it was divided into three sections. You had Judea in the south, Galilee in the north, and Samaria in the middle. And Samaria was filled with people called Samaritans. The Jewish people couldn't stand those people because they were of uh, mixed race. They were mixed race and and uh, they weren't purely Jewish. So in those days, you would have basically three classes of people in that area. You'd have the Jews, you'd have <laughs> the Gentiles that was everybody else, but then you also had the Samaritans. And the Samaritans were the, the combination of Jews and Gentiles. They were mixed. And they weren't even allowed to worship at the temple in Jerusalem. They couldn't be a part of any of the Jewish uh, celebrations or activities. And they had been cursed as heretics because they also had a mixed up view of who God was spiritually. Um, they twisted the Bible. And uh, then in the middle of that, you see Jesus and he had to go through Samaria. Why did he have to go through Samaria? Because he had a divine appointment in front of him. 
And you and I have divine appointments all every day, all around us. And if we hold on to our prejudices, our stereotypes, um, we're gonna we're gonna miss out on the very people that God has called us to go to, to see, to to love. And this woman, she had no idea that she was about to meet Jesus, but Jesus knew that that he was about to meet her. And there are people right now, maybe you're listening to this, and uh, you have a divine appointment right now with Jesus. Jesus wants to speak into your life uh, as you open your heart and your mind to what Jesus has to say to you. Uh, He wants to speak to you today and meet you right where you're at. And here we see the love, the compassion of Jesus. It was Jesus' love that drove him through Samaria, just like his love led him all the way to the cross to give his life on the cross. And then in verse five, it says, so he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well and it was about noon. One problem that we have today with our in our culture, the way we live, our lifestyles, we're just skimming through life at high speed and we miss so much. We can miss those divine appointments because of how rushed we are, how busy we are, and we need to just slow down um, and be more like Jesus. See the people around us. How, how many times are we in the grocery store? Are we uh, in a restaurant and the server comes to uh, to take our order and we're just, we don't even see them. We don't interact with them. We don't engage with them. Uh, wherever it is, we need to not only see people like God sees them through his eyes, people that he loves, uh, and also be willing to connect with them, to make a connection. And what they're connecting, what Jesus and this woman connect over is something very simple. They're connecting over water, just getting water. I mean, it's something very important, but it's something very basic. The woman is going there to get water, and she goes there at the hottest time of the day. It says it was about noon. Now, in John chapter 3, remember, Nicodemus met Jesus, and it was at night. Now, Jesus is meeting this woman at high noon. God is working at all times of the day. You see the distinction between the darkness and the light. And in Nicodemus' case, you know, um, he just kind of pondered what was happening. But but with this woman, she's going to receive what what Jesus has to offer her. But she went at noon. Why did she go at noon? Well, it was because there wouldn't be anybody drawing water at that time. She wanted to avoid the crowd. She wanted to avoid the the stares and the whispers, the gossip about her life and her sin um, and just the scandals that she had surrounding her life. So in verse 7, it says, When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? (laughs) And his disciples had gone into the town to buy food. Now, This woman is shocked by this because she is certainly not expecting to see anyone there, but definitely not a Jewish man, Jewish, you know, different um, religious practices, and he's a man. So this, this was 
crossing all kinds of cultural boundaries and the, the norms in the culture. And then Jesus is asking her for something. Will you give me a drink? And, you know, he's not being rude. He's not being judgmental. He's not talking down to her. He's just meeting her where she's at. This woman was well known for her immorality. She had a different view about God. She didn't believe all the right things. But Jesus saw her. He had compassion on her. He knew who she was. He, he knew what she had done. Just like he knows you, he knows about your past, but he wants to meet you right where you are. And so Jesus was um, talking with this woman in public, and it was breaking through all the, the norms of the culture at that time. And, and we need to also not only uh, look for those divine appointments, but also look past the surface. Because in verse 9, you know, what does this woman do when he asks her? She sort of puts up a front. She, she uh, cops an attitude, okay? And she said this in verse 9. The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew, and I'm a Samaritan woman. She's pointing out the differences between them, the barriers between them. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. You're a Jew and I'm a Samaritan. Is it because you want something from me? Now, she thought Jesus wanted something from her. But in reality, Jesus wanted something for her. And he's crossing over this racial barrier, the resentment barrier. And even though she's putting up a barrier between them, Jesus is breaking through the walls that she's trying to build. And that's what Jesus did. And that's what followers of Jesus have been doing ever since that time. She's used to getting dirty looks, you know, and she's expecting judgment. A lot of people look at Christians today and that's what they think. They think, oh, they're going to judge me. They're, they're going to look down their noses at me. And you might say, well, I don't do that. But I think people naturally feel judged. And what we have to do is help them to, to not feel that, that condemnation, to not look down on people. Because in Galatians 3.28, you know, it says, uh, Paul says, there's no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male and female, for you're all one in Christ Jesus. Listen, if you have a problem with people who look different than you, then you're going to have a, a hard time in heaven because heaven looks like people from all over the world. And it's made up of anyone who puts their faith and their trust in Jesus for their forgiveness and, um, and, and for their future. And um, so they are your family. They're brothers and sisters in Christ. Now, in verse 10, Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. He's telling her who he is and what he had to offer her, that he can offer her eternal life and how she can receive it just by asking for it. And, and I believe he's saying that to, to you today. He's saying, I've got something for you to quench your spiritual thirst just ask and I'll give it to you. And in verse 11, she says, Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us the well and drank from it himself? As did also his sons and his livestock. You don't have anything to draw with, right? She's literally thinking about 
water, physical water. <laughs> what is this living water that this guy is talking about? And she's focusing on what she can see, the external. And that's how we live so often because we're just looking at what we have. And so we keep going back to the same wells that never work from us. We go back to our friends. We go back to our boyfriends or girlfriends or or uh, our own strength that, that is so temporary. We go back to substances that we think are going to satisfy us, looking at what we have right now instead of what Jesus wants to offer to us, what he's giving to us. And Jesus is saying to her, there is so much more to life than what you already have and it's available and I can give that to you. And he's taking the conversation and moving it from the surface level to a deeper level. It's good in a conversation with someone, <laughs> you know, you don't necessarily always have to be like diving super deep and spiritual and Jesus juking people, you know. You can talk about those surface things for a moment, but look for opportunities to go deeper beyond the surface and to, to take the conversation into a direction that, that can really be meaningful and can make a difference in people's lives. And, and so he's connecting with her inner thirst. In verse 13, Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Jesus is saying, when you drink physical water, it doesn't take long until you're thirsty again. But he says, you have another deeper thirst. It's a soul thirst. And Jesus is the only one that can quench that thirst. And we all have that thirst. We're all thirsty for something. We thirst for purpose in our lives. We thirst for significance, for satisfaction, for something to fill the emptiness and the loneliness that we experience. We're thirsting for freedom from worry and stress and pressure in life. But the problem is all the things that we try to drink to satisfy that thirst only leave us thirsting for more. It's like drinking salt water. You think it's going to quench your thirst. The more you drink, the thirstier you become. And Jesus says he's got a different kind of water. It's alive and it's truly satisfying. And there's a thirst that we have that will never be satisfied with anything but Jesus. He is the living water. And so in verse 15, the woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. Now you can see, maybe she's starting to get it, but she really doesn't get it fully. And uh, so Jesus asks her this. Uh, he says, go get your husband and come back in verse 16, which, you know, was a normal question or normal thing to, to say. And yet, yet uh, he was really cutting to the heart of what was going on. He knew what was going on. And until we allow Jesus to deal with our sin that we're holding on to, our thirst will never be quenched. So she says in verse 17, she comes clean and she's open and honest, transparent about what's going on in her life. And I'm out of her brokenness. She says, I have no husband, she replied. Now notice Jesus is not condemning her by saying this. In fact, she was already in condemnation. She already lived under 
condemnation and guilt. And that was because she didn't know Jesus. But Jesus is saying, I'm going to change that in your life. I'm going to change that. And in verse 17, Jesus said to her, you're right when you say you have no husband. The fact is, you've had five husbands, and the man you now have is not your husband. What you've just said is quite true. The man, the guy you're with, he's not even your husband. Jesus is lovingly and gracefully, but honestly, truthfully, directly dealing with the sin in her life. So how does she respond when he gets real direct? Well, she does like we do uh, when we're, we feel like we're exposed. She dodges, she shifts, and she gets super spiritual. And she starts to have a theological discussion, right? Uh, let's talk about theology. You know, if God is big, can he, uh, God can do anything. Can he build a rock, make a rock that he can't move? And, you know, how many angels can dance on the head of a pen? And there's all these theological questions that are interesting to talk about. But ultimately, the, the key issue is we need Jesus. We need Jesus. And, and in verse 26, Jesus tells her, gets to the point where he says, I am the Messiah that you've been looking for. And at that moment, her life is changed. Then the disciples show back up and they're shocked too. They're like, why are you talking to this woman? <laughs> but the woman meets Jesus that day and her life is so radically transformed. But And we know this because she leaves her jar right there. She's like, I got the living water. And, and it's overflowing in my life, and I need to go and share this water, what I've received with, with everyone, uh, and tell them about Jesus. And so the third look is to look for a chance to bring someone to Jesus. Look for a chance to bring people to Jesus. Look at what she does in verse 28. Then... Leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town. I mean, she, think about that. She had gone to the well to get water that is necessary for life, but she just leaves it behind. She went back to the town and she said to the people, come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? They came out of the town and they made their way toward him. And so all of her community comes to see Jesus and, and many of them become believers. What is she doing? She's bringing them to Jesus. Wow, we can do that. We can extend an invitation to invite people to our church so that they can meet Jesus. We can tell our story of what Jesus has done in our lives. I mean, her theology was not instantly fixed. All of her beliefs were not instantly fixed. And yet she told what she knew. And that was that Jesus changed her life. And because her life has changed, God uses her to impact her whole community, her whole city. Um, in fact, in verse 39 of chapter 4, it says, Many Samaritans from the village believed in Jesus because of this woman. She went from being an outcast of her community to being the one that God used to change eternity for her whole village. Listen, amazing things will happen in your life when you start to live for Jesus. You get excited about what Jesus is doing instead of trying to live for yourself. 
She wanted everyone to know. And in our world today, right now, there are billions of people who still do not yet know Jesus. And I want my life to be about helping them come to know him. Jesus changed lives then, radically transformed lives. He's still doing that even today. And you may think, well, I don't have any influence over people. You have more influence than you know. You may be the only Jesus that some people see and some people know. You may be the only Bible some people read. And so as you go about your day, use your influence for his God's kingdom, for his sake, for his glory. And let me tell you, people are more ready to hear about Jesus than we are uh, many times ready to share him and tell people about him. How many people around us still need to know Jesus? There's so many. And listen, it is our job. It's our responsibility to make him known. And when we're excited about what he's done in our lives, it comes natural. It's not something you have to do. It's something that's going to overflow in your life. And of course, you can use social media to do that. Um, you can. There's so many ways <clears throat> that you can reach out to your neighbors, reach out to others with the love and the, the truth, the good news of Jesus, just by sharing the difference that he's made in your life. So be on the lookout today. Look for those people that maybe you wouldn't normally notice and look for those divine appointments. Look for opportunities to have conversation and take the conversation in a way that you know, can, can really make a difference in someone's life. They'll appreciate it, but more than that, there's nothing like helping someone step over that line of faith and have their, their family change, their future changed. And so I want to pray with you right now. And um, let's pray together. Heavenly Father, God, we thank you in this moment, God, that you meet us right where we're at. For those who are carrying around today um, guilt and shame, God, we pray that we would be honest about our sin and we would allow you to uh, forgive us, to change us, God, to use us. Even those things that we're most embarrassed about, most ashamed of, God, you want to use those to to make a difference in uh, others' lives, God. And uh, so help us to see people like you see them. Give us your eyes to see. Um, Show us those divine appointments that you have in front of us and give us the courage and the boldness to speak up and to share your um, your good news, share our story of what you've done in our lives to extend an invitation to the people around us. And we pray that many, many lives will be changed even today, God, even today. We thank you. We're trusting in you and we, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. I want to thank you so much for joining me today. I look forward to seeing you real soon and I hope you have a blessed last week. Thanks. Thank you for joining us for this week's Connect podcast. If you liked what you heard, then be sure to like, share, comment, subscribe, rate. We want to spread this good word to everybody we can who needs to hear this message. I hope you have a great week and I look forward to you joining us next week for the Connect podcast.